Hi St Phillips, it's Sarah here, I'm doing the third in the podcast series on accountability and today I'm going to be looking at the what of accountability. What do you do when you get together in a two or a three to do accountability? And to start with is to say it is an internal work, it's a work of the heart. It's a work of identity, of knowing more of who you are. It's a work around calling, knowing more of what it is that you're called to do. It's about all of life. There is no area off limits. Broadly speaking, it's about your relationship with Jesus. It's about self-care. It's about your relationship with others, your significant relationships, your relationships with those who know Jesus, your relationships with those who don't know Jesus. As a disciple, you are learning from all of life, all of life. You can learn and grow from any situation. And God wants you to learn and grow in any situation. I'm going to offer you three different frameworks you could use in accountability and then some strands that I think run through all times of accountability. So I'll start with the three frameworks. They are loose frameworks. You might use one or the other of them, or you might use a mixture. If you're not familiar with a particular one, you might have a go at using it for a while and to get uh, accustomed to it. And then it may be in time that that one or two of them are, are particularly relevant when you get together and you begin to speak and find out what's going on with each of you. So they're not to be used in a kind of slavish way or a really fixed way, but they're to be used there uh, just to help you. They're tools to help you process the things that are going on in life and what it might be that God is doing and how it is that God is wanting to grow you. So the three frameworks are significant event accountability, specific issue accountability, and then life-giving or Ignatian accountability. So I'm going to start by talking about significant event accountability. So there will often be a significant event to process, something that has got your attention, something that you are still processing. Maybe it's rocked your emotions. Maybe it's keeping you awake at night. You may have heard the expression, a kairos moment, or what's been your kairos? It comes from the Greek kairos time. Jesus says at the very beginning of Mark's gospel, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. And when he says here, the time has come, he uses the word kairos, the kairos time has come. In Greek, we have two words for uh, for time. We have chronos and kairos. And Jesus uses the word kairos. Chronos is to do with chronological time as we know it. And kairos is to do with event time, a moment in time. A kairos time may feel like time is actually standing still or perhaps you're not aware of time. You're not clock watching you're uh, so much caught up in the moment. When Jesus is speaking to the crowds, he is talking about a kairos moment in the life of the Jewish people. The Messiah, the chosen one, is here and he is calling the people to repent, 
to change their ways, to literally turn around. Repent and believe the good news. Repent, the word there in Greek is metanoia. It means turn around, turn your way of being. Turn from one direction to the other. And that's what we're doing in accountability. We're looking to repent. We're looking to change our behaviour, to change our direction and begin to believe new things and begin to walk in a new direction. And God can use external events to bring internal transformation. God can use the Kairos moments in our lives, those significant events that capture our attention, and he can use them to bring internal transformation. And those events can be positive or negative. They can be seemingly very small events, or they can be big uh, life moments. They could be big life moments like a car accident or, or a celebration, a wedding, the arrival of a baby. Or maybe something more mundane like a difficult conversation or an encouraging email or a hurtful remark or a day spent well. You can reflect and learn from the situation. Why did I act in such a way? Why were those words particularly painful? Was there more going on for me than was happening on the surface? Are there ways that I would like to change in a similar situation? How would I like to behave next time? Is there anything I need to do to make amends? These are the sort of things that you can talk about in accountability. Really dig into that situation, to, into that Kairos event. Really try and work out what was going on there. And then try and work out, how do I respond to this situation? How do I need to act now? Having thought about this carefully, what is my response? In the conversation, we are hoping that the Holy Spirit is leading us through a process of repentance, a process of turning around from one way of behaving to a new way of behaving, from one way of believing and thinking to a new way of believing and thinking. So that's event-based accountability and there will always be a significant event that you can process uh, or uh, there will be a event that has caught your attention and that is something that you can talk about uh, when you get together. The other thing that I mentioned was specific issue accountability. Now, I imagine we all have specific things we struggle with. I don't know what your specific thing or things are because they're not the kind of things that we like to talk about. Uh, it can be anything uh, from an addiction, a character trait we don't like, bad habits we want to kick, good habits we can't get started, thought patterns that aren't particularly helpful, behaviour patterns that might get us into trouble. And so in accountability, there is a place to, to talk about these specific issues. You know, those things that, that we just keep returning to. There are some things that I just keep returning to in my journal. You know, there are some things that I have been writing about for 20 years. And I, I look at my journal and I'm like, Lord, really? Am I still dealing with this 
there are some things that we struggle with and we continue to struggle with and they are the sorts of things that we need to bring to accountability. And when we're talking about a specific issue, it's helpful to think about the presenting issue and the underlying cause. Uh, so the presenting issue is the behaviour or habit uh, that you're wanting to change. And this could be something like problems with sleeping, it might be um, problems around food, perhaps overeating or not eating enough, um, not eating well, maybe drinking too much, working too hard, problems around exercise, exercising too much, not exercising enough, uh, perhaps you're allowing yourself to be isolated or you're working too hard, not giving yourself enough space. These are the presenting issues. And you can think about practical ways you address these presenting issues. So when you're meeting together, you may agree aims. You know, I will get to bed by a particular time. You may agree limits. Uh, I will stop using my phone at such and such a time so that I can begin to wind down, learn new habits. I will get up at this time, go to bed at this time. This is all for somebody who's struggling to sleep at night putting in strategies in place, I'm going to, um, I don't know, it's good to make sure you're not hungry when you go to bed, I'm going to have a small snack when I go to bed. Uh, so these might be practices that you put in place uh, to address not being able to sleep very well. But it's also helpful to think about the underlying cause, you know, what's the root cause? So with that example, you know, maybe it's a an issue of anxiety, that actually there's some uh, real anxiety uh, and stress rumbling under the surface and, and that's the thing that's causing the uh, disturbance in sleep and so we can tackle it uh, at both levels we, we tackle the presenting issues and we try and look to see what's going on under the surface and you know it could be anxiety it might be unhelpful or wrong mindset wrong beliefs about ourselves or others and there may be hurt from the past it may be things that we're not even aware of often there are things that we're not even aware of that are affecting the way we behave now sometimes it's things that we are aware of but we don't know what to do it can take a while to to really uncover these underlying causes uh, to work out what's going on there may not just be one thing going on, there may be layers of things going on. And talking these things through with another person can help give you a fresh perspective. And so to say again, it, it, you know, you want to, to do both. You want to tackle the presenting issue and it's good to do that. But you also want to keep asking the deeper question. What is really going on here? What is going on? under the surface. Let's let me read you a couple of uh, verses. Proverbs 4.23 Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. You know, there's that sense that our heart is, is the source of our lives and our actions. And Jesus talks about things coming from within out. It's not what that what comes out into our body that makes us unclean. It's what's inside. That comes out and so we're wanting to attend to our heart guard our heart ask the Lord to examine our heart what is it that's going on in my heart that needs attending to Psalm 147 verse 3 
He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The Lord wants to reveal what's going on in your heart, not just to to reveal it, uh, but to bring healing to those broken places, to those wounded places. Let me give you a little example from my life. It's in some ways a silly example, but it's actually something that I have struggled with for a long, long time. And it's one of the things that I have written about uh, in my journals for over 20 years. And I feel slightly embarrassed to talk about it here uh, because I know that for some people it just isn't a deal. Uh, But for me, it is a deal. You'll be wondering, what is Sarah going to say? Well, it's just a silly thing in many ways. But the deal for me is my ability to keep tidy and clean house. I am not a naturally tidy person. I am not somebody who who naturally puts things away, who naturally orders things. Some things in my life are very ordered. My internal world is very ordered, but my external world can easily get very chaotic. And uh, and then you put in, you know, a family into that and it can soon descend into chaos. And, and I can feel quite embarrassed and ashamed about the state of our house. And so, you know, I have learnt over the years uh, ways of, of tackling that. I've, I've read books, I've, I've sought for advice from friends about tips on how to kind of clean and tidy and keep on top of things. And all of those things have helped. But I have also kind of asked, okay, Lord, is there anything going on here? Uh, what is it that's going on? Uh, <clears throat> and one of the things the Lord revealed to me was that I used to live in, in Peru as a child and I came back to this country when I was 10. And I found that transition really difficult, really quite traumatic in some ways. And I did not want to live in this country for a long time. And yeah, I was cross about being in this country and this country wasn't my home. And so I, I didn't care for my room. I didn't want to tidy it. I didn't want to look after it. There was a, a natural untidiness in me. So that wasn't the only thing that was going on. I was quite sort of a tendency to be untidy, but, but that was then reinforced by the fact that I didn't like my house, I didn't like my new bedroom, I didn't like my new home, so why on earth would I bother tidying it? Because I didn't like it. And maybe I didn't even deserve to have a a nice home because, you know, God had taken me away from my home. So maybe God didn't like me and God didn't want me to have a nice home. And so underneath there was all of this kind of hurt and pain associated with home. And And as I began to see that, and began to change my attitude towards home and began to to value my home more and it began to help me really want to look after my home and, and feel that I could look after my home and, and I almost feel uh, less paralysed because sometimes I did literally feel like unable to, to do anything and I became more empowered to do things around the home. So in all of life, God is wanting to bring revelation and there's all kinds of stuff going on under the surface that we may not be aware of. So where there are things in our life that, that we keep butting up against, we keep, um, you know, if you don't write a journal, but if you did write a journal, you know that that would be the thing uh, that you would keep writing. Why am I still struggling with this? And keep asking the Lord, 
what it is and keep bringing it to accountability. Keep saying, you know, I'm still struggling with this. And keep doing the practical things uh, to help, yeah, to help sort it and dressing it, tackling it from both ends, from the presenting and the underlying. So the, the third framework is what I've called life-giving accountability. Uh, for I, I'm not entirely sure that's the right phrase, but that's what I've settled on from there. It's using Ignatian spirituality and the practice of a daily examine, which is a personal practice, but I think you can use it in accountability. So the idea of the examine is at the end of the day, you reflect on your day and you reflect and think about the things that have brought you closer to God and the things that have taken you away from God. And then over time, you, you begin to change your practices and you begin to do more of the things that lead you towards God and, and less of the things that lead you away from God. You, you learn uh, about what is good for you. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus has come to give us life and give its life to the full. He wants us to do things that give us life. In Ignatian spirituality, they use uh, kind of old-fashioned words, consolation and desolation. Consolation, what has brought you the most life? What has brought you closer to God? What has brought you a sense of peace, a sense of joy? Desolation, what has moved you away from God? What has caused you to become focused on yourself or too focused on others? What's perhaps cause you to become depressed, downcast, maybe ungrateful, lacking hope or vision. What has been life to you since you last met? What has been a source of joy to you? And what has deadened the life in you? What has been a source of grief to you? What has taken you away from God's life? since you last met. And often in accountability, we will ask each other, what is giving you life at the moment? It's a really important question to ask. I will often ask or be asked, what are you doing to look after yourself at the moment? This is a question we often have to ask each other as women. I can't speak for men, but I know as women we have a tendency to think about everyone else but not ourselves, or ourselves last. And this is all part of it, isn't it? God wants us to have life. And to have life, we need to care for ourselves. If we neglect ourselves, if we neglect our well-being, we uh, ultimately not be able to be of use to others. God has come that we might have life and have it to the full. If a particular situation or relationship is very difficult, is, is a source of not life, a deadening experience to you, then you'll need to think about the boundaries you need to put in place, how you might need to manage that relationship. That's not an, uh, a kind of word we necessarily associate with relationships, but there are some relationships we have to carefully manage for our own well-being. Otherwise, we will find ourselves in a place of desolation and and perhaps unable to function well. So there they are, 
three frameworks for you. Significant event, accountability or kairos accountability. Specific issue accountability. And then life giving accountability. And then I said I was going to look at some strands that need to run through accountability. I think these are probably quite obvious, but I'm just going to say them because um, it's good to say these things. Listening is key. Just being heard can be really healing. You're not trying to fix the other person. Sometimes you're just there to listen, but sometimes that can be enough. Give the gift of being present. And after they've talked, you may want to reflect back what you've heard. See if you've heard right. And in reflecting back, uh, they, they might hear something new. And as you're listening, you're also listening with the Holy Spirit. As you listen, the Holy Spirit may give you an observation or reflection or a question that helps the person see things in a new way. So listening is really important. Questions. The role of questions. I personally think questions are really important. It's funny though, because uh, Dave and I have a slightly different uh, relationship with questions. When uh, Dave and I are catching up at the end of the day, Dave doesn't particularly want to be asked many questions. He's just quite happy to volunteer what he wants to volunteer. He just is quite happy to, to download his day and maybe be asked one or two questions, but maybe not. Whereas I find questions really helpful. I need questions to help me process my day. And I guess they're the kind of things that you get to know about a person. Are they just happy to talk? And is that, does that talking, is that enough for them? And does that help them process? Or do they need questions? Do the questions help them unpick what's going on? When you do use questions, make them open questions, questions that are exploring the possibilities, exploring options. Make them empowering questions, questions that, that are helping the other person decide how they want to move forward. And again, I've alluded to this already, be listening to the Holy Spirit as you ask questions. One of the things that we want to do carefully, humbly, gently in accountability is, is bring a bit of challenge. And a really gentle way we can bring challenge in accountability is through questions. Asking a good question that helps highlight what's really going on for someone can be a gentle way of bringing challenge. So, yeah, just craft your care questions carefully and the Holy Spirit can use those to help unlock something for your friend. Another element, a strand uh, within accountability, maybe not every time you meet, but with reasonable regularity, is confession. In James 5.16, it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Accountability provides a context for confession of sins. There may be an area of struggle, as I've talked about, uh, that you just need to keep bringing into the light. And we begin to know each other's stuff, the areas of vulnerability, and we check in on each other. Sometimes we just need to confess some silly things, you know. 
maybe we remember there's an unpaid bill that that we haven't we haven't attended to and we're like oh, actually i need to to pay that bill and i could ignore it because the time has passed and they seem to have forgotten but actually god's reminded me of that now and and i think it's right that i go and pay it so i'm going to pay it as the lord reminds you of things as the lord stirs things in your heart confess them confess them to each other that you might be healed and that your prayers might be powerful and effective obedience is really key you are meeting together to discern and and work out what it is jesus is saying to you what it is jesus is asking of you what it is that that you're going to do as a response to this time what your takeaway is going to be it's not just to have a good chit chat it's also to come away with a plan of action predominantly that is your plan of action it's not the other person's plan of action because you know if the other person is telling you what to do you're not really necessarily going to want to do it you know if somebody else says to you well you know you should start swimming three times a week or whatever or maybe you should clean the bathroom every monday you're not likely to do it unless you have owned that decision unless you said actually you know what i'm going to do i'm going to do da 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 and then you're much more likely to do it so the the decision needs to come from you but at the same time there needs to be a sense of you know particularly if you're sensing god is saying something specific to you just discerning that, holding that with your friend or friends and, and just testing that a little bit. You know, none of us hear God perfectly all the time. And so it, it's good to hold things that we think God is asking of us before another and just let it be tested and see if it resonates with your friend. Accountability provides a really good setting for just testing the things that we think that Jesus is asking us or speaking to us about. And then we're wanting to obediently respond to what it is we sense God is saying to us. Prayer. Prayer can easily get squeezed out, especially if you've got a limited time, you know, if you're meeting over a lunchtime or in the morning early or whatever, you know, if you've just got an hour, it's easy to talk a dog and talk and, and then uh, not to pray. And so... You may even decide to, to put an alarm on, or I've heard of people who like pray halfway through the time, pray in the middle and, and then carry on talking. And then, you know, if they don't pray again, at least they prayed in the middle. Make time to pray. Pray makes such a difference. And don't just pray for yourself. Pray for others. One of the things we're wanting to do in accountability is, uh, I said, is to talk about our relationships with people who don't know Jesus. And so we want to pray for people who don't know Jesus. So we're going to think about maybe specifically one or two people we're journeying with at the moment, and we're going to pray for them consistently every time we meet. I was reminded of the very familiar words in Matthew 18, verse 20. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. I love praying with others. When I'm with one or two others praying, I often just sense God's presence with me. I just feel him coming near me and enjoy his presence with me. 
And so let, let's not rob ourselves of that experience of just experiencing God with us. He's with us. He's been with us throughout our conversation. But let's just stop and pause and, and become aware, really aware of him with us as we meet. So make time to pray. Coming into the land, two last things to say. One is around complexity. Two of my daughters had a, a bit of a, an argument the other week and I was trying to work it out with them and have a separate conversation with each of them around it. And uh, I was talking to one of them and, and found myself just saying, it's really complex. You know, she, she wanted to, me to say, your sister's wrong and you're right. And, and I was like, it's not that straightforward. It's really complex. There's lots of things going on here. I am realising more and more that life is complex. We often want to simplify, categorise, blame. We want to try and look for a quick fix. When life is not always that straightforward. People are complex. Situations can be complex. So it's good to give time to understand what is really going on and to allow yourself and the other person the grace that is needed to work it out. Finally, fun. Make space for fun and building relationship. It's okay not always to talk deeply, just to go and enjoy each other's company, maybe to go to the pub and just hang out or or together go and meet with a couple of other friends and, and draw some others into the relationship to, to play a, a board game for the evening, to hang out if you're couples with, you know, the partner or whatever. Have some fun together. Don't just make it about accountability uh, or it can become a bit staid and a bit stiff. Let there be fun in the relationship. I hope that's helpful. I hope that gives you uh, sort of a picture of the breadth of accountability and, and yeah, just how it can evolve and change and develop over time. That is all for now, St. Philip's. Goodbye.